Welcome back to Green Cows Don't Fly and my name is B and I'm here with John. And I see you've got um cake again, haven't you? The same old cake. Same old bit of cake, same old bubbly bit of cake. Looks like it's been in that fridge for a while. Talking of fridge, I just saw this funny thing about um apparently um is it May 29th is put your pillow on top of the fridge day. What's that about? May 29th. What do you do that for? You have to put... <laughs> apparently it's good luck. You have to put a pillow on your fridge. Really? Um, apparently. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't quite know where he came from. I think he came from sort of olden days where people had to... Uh, or took cloths from... The, apparently from the bedroom. It was more auspicious. Is it auspicious, the right word? Auspicious. Yeah. Um, they took a cloth that they ripped off from something in their bedroom and put it in the larder. And apparently that was supposed to mean a, a fortress, you know... Fortress. A bountiful harvest, a bountiful side, I don't know. Oh, blimey. That kind of thing, yeah. I thought you said in the olden days that you were going to say they put it in the fridge, and I thought, well, I had this view of medieval people with a fridge. <laughs> plug that in. Yeah, plug that in. <laughs> Whither to where? God. Pray tell me where. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> well, it's famous. Shakespeare had fridges, didn't he? In, in his something or others, whatever he wrote, his sonnets. I wouldn't have thought so. Shall I compare you to that piece of cheese in the fridge? <laughs> Shall I compare you to a cold um, fridge tray? No, I don't know. <laughs> cold lasagna? <laughs> well, we're gabbling again, aren't we? I suppose um, we ought to get on and do something. Yeah, I think we ought to. Come on, Brian, get into character. Get on. I practically live in character, lovey. I'm a professional. You pair are lucky to get me for the money you're paying. Chapter 9. Grandolph and Bob, just the job, center. Grandolph looks at his watch and makes a gesture to Bob. The one people do without the use of words to indicate time is tight. Yes, that, one. He taps repeatedly on the face of the timelessly elegant, shockproof, and watertight to a depth of 200 meters, Rolex Daytona. I think Brian's trying to make some money on the side with product placement. I think he is, but I th- I'm just kind of wondering where did he get a Rolex from? I don't know, but, you know... Grandolph, that is. Yeah, Grandolph, yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, he's kind of got sacked from Hollywood. He's not really working. He's running a pub. I'm sure a pub doesn't pay that well. Yeah, but he would have bought this. He would have bought this in, back in his halcyon days, wouldn't he, when he was with Stallone? Or is it Stallone's watch? Yeah, <laughs> now you're talking... Trip and fall alone and give me a Rolex. Yeah, bish bosh, I'll have that, thank you very much. Bob assumes that despite having previously said he, Grandolph, was not prepared to become involved in a quest to save mankind, that there has now been a change of mind, and that he, Grandolph again, is prepared. Bob's assumption soon proves well-founded, when Grandolph says, well, Bob... Despite my earlier protestations to the contrary, I am now prepared to get involved in this, caper. Okay, says Bob. We must make all haste. Oh, Grandolph, 
channeling his inner Alec Guinness or Johnny Gielgud there, wasn't he? Just a bit. Must make haste. Protestations to the contrary. Sounds frightfully Shakespearean. Well, he's an actor, so he's probably just trying to show off his acting chops. Yeah, he probably is, actually. But uh, And he's in. Something's changed his mind. He's in on the old caper. Oh, Grandolf, you mean? Oh, mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it would, it, there wouldn't be much of a book if he wasn't, would there? No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not doing it, and that's that. Looking forward to chapter 10. Oh, blank page. Chapter 11, another blank page, apart from two words, the end. Where's the local job centre? The high street, replies Grandolf. Then Bob asks, can we get there within 30 minutes? Grandolf holds the Rolex up to Bob and raises his eyebrows, then says, you mean within 28 minutes and 14 seconds. Bob is impressed. Wow, that Rolex is really neat, isn't it? Accurate too, and very discreet. Not in the least bit trashy. If you ask me, it's a wonderful adornment to any discerning gentleman's, or indeed for that matter, any lady's wrist. And a snip, at just ten thousand pounds, says Bob. Yes indeed, quite the bargain, agrees Grandolf. Bob's at it now, they've both been paid off, you know, Rolex have got to them. That was like an advert. It really was. But um, can I just say, if anybody who's listening to this show would like to send us samples, yes. um, you know, we quite happily accept Rolexes. Well, I'll have an old gold one then. An old gold? No, all gold. Oh, all <laughs> Solid gold. I just have um, the most expensive one and then flog it. Bob nods and asks, very well. Can we make it to this centre of the jobs on time? No, I'm afraid not. It would take us at least 40 minutes, so it looks like mankind is shafted, laments Grandolf. They both shrug their shoulders. Not unless, says Grandolf, not unless I can harness one of my powers to help us, he adds to avoid confusion. What? You mean? Yes, I mean, by Jove, it's worth a try. I'll have a crack at using my wishing for things to happen power, and see if we can somehow be teleported to the job centre manager's office in an instant, says Grandolf. So, um, Grandolf has finally decided to use his powers. Eventually, nine chapters in, and he's finally realised he might be able to do something a bit supernatural. Yeah, but he's not, um, he, he's not doing this right either because he could probably just solve the whole problem. I mean, I think we said that before, but yes. why not just say, well, safe, sorted? You know, maybe he can achieve so much as think of a thing, Power. Yeah, well, surely he could, if he can uncork wine, he could probably cork the farce hole, couldn't he? You'd think. Well, you think so, but it depends how big the farce hole is, really, doesn't it? Looking flawed ass doesn't fit through, so it's obviously not that big. No, well, I've got this sort of idea. It's a kind of shimmering sort of mass of mist and kind of whirly things in the middle. I don't know. It's a, it's a poser, isn't it? But still, he could try a bit harder. Looks to me like he's actually going to do something for a change. Yeah, teleport himself to a job centre. How many um, unemployed do you think do that? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> People appearing in their front door just like that. Yeah. Good way of jumping the queue. Worth a go, says Bob. Yup, reckon so, says Grandolf. He, Grandolf that is, 
strides to the center of the loft and holds up his palms. Take us to the job center in the high street, and specifically inside the manager's office, and one more last thing if it's okay, do it without further ado, he commands. The room begins to spin and shimmer. Something's happening. Suddenly, he and Bob start to spin within this sort of funny vortex thing. It feels a bit like being on a waltzer ride at the fairground. There is a lot of smoke and flashing lights, quickly followed by the sound of cows mooing in a distant meadow. They both hear a disembodied voice shout fucking hell, and then, somehow, although nobody knows how, Grandolph and Bob find themselves standing in an office. AI's worked hard at that. That's an interesting depiction of a teleportation, isn't it? It's quite the grand entrance. It is a very grand entrance indeed, and the disembodied voices and the cars moving, all very... In the background, that's funny. Uh, very, very surreal, that. Very surreal. <laughs> well, they got there, presumably. That's they did all get there. Yeah, exactly. Bob says, hey, that stunt was really cool, big guy. Grandolph says, yeah, not bad. I'm rather impressed myself. I didn't know I could do that. Bob looks around. Do you think this is the right place? He asks. Grandolph looks around too. There's a row of grey metal filing cabinet beside them. The office is grey and radiates an atmosphere of utter soullessness. A health and safety at work poster, informing the staff on how to use a stapler correctly, is hanging next to a poster about how to lift a cup of coffee by bending at the knees. Grandolph can practically smell the despair seeping from its walls. The desk is made of badly chipped melamine, and the swivel chair behind it is a filthy sky blue, ripped and tattered twenty-year-old wreck. The client chair is yucky brown, hard plastic. The sort of thing you see in a school assembly or a church hall. The seat has a large crack across it and one of the legs is bent at a weird angle. God, what a dreary place. That really makes you want to go out and start your career and work hard. And Yeah, it's. Uh, I think he's got it dead right. He must have spent a long time on a government site looking at you know the, the inside of job centres. Yeah, and he went on a bit, didn't he? I thought for a moment there he was going to be the rest of the book, which was going to be a description of the job centre. Yeah, but well, of course he's given his social commentary there. You know, he's beginning to slip a bit of uh, intellectualism into it. And the health and safety at work post about how to use a staple properly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, that's the sort of thing you need to do. You know, you have to be equipped to do that when you go for an interview, just in case their HR guy asks you, can you lift the stapler the right way? Can you grab a cup of coffee? I have a friend who had to go on a day's course on how to go up and down a ladder safely. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know all about those. We used to have them in my working days. Working at height used to be, it ended up you used to have to get a, a chit to use a... I'm not, that's Sorry, a, chit, a what? Did, to, a, what? A chit, C-H-I-T, chitty. Used to get a, our guys, our engineers used to have to get a chit to be able to stand on a step ladder, And they had to do training for it. <laughs> Yeah, but I suppose these days everybody's suing everybody else. Isn't yeah. it? You have to be very careful, you know. Yeah, well, and you how you burn like yourself that. a hot cup of coffee. Yep, modern world. Grandolph says, You bet it is the right place. Bob, who has never had a proper job, asks, 
What goes on here? Grandolf says, endless hours of jobs with pontificating and misery. Then a distant memory filters through his mind. It's the time he once signed on as an out-of-work actor after being blacklisted by Hollywood. The place he had to attend was exactly like this. The clerk who took his details was horrible. Grandolf recalls the clerk's supercilious sneer when he, Grandolf, said he, not the clerk, was looking for acting work. The clerk had pierced him with his eyes while saying, I'm afraid we don't have any actor jobs on our books, Mr. Smith. But I'm fixing you up with an interview at the local shit-shoveling farm. Um, shit-shoveling farm? Mm. Uh, what are they farming? Shit. Shit. <laughs> and then they shovel it. They shovel it from one pile to the next. And then when they get that pile fixed up, they shovel it back again. And what are they using it for, I wonder? Oh, I don't know. Probably, um, what do you call that stuff? You put it on roses. Oh. Fertiliser? Fertiliser. Something like that. Do you think they're subsidised for um, the more shit they've got, the more government money they get? Yeah, they probably <laughs> I would imagine that. I would imagine definitely there's a direct correlation between that. Exactly. <laughs> you want to get one of those government scientists on to it, you know, they can show you graphs and charts and stuff like that to show the efficacy of shoveling shit and how vital it is to the nation's... Um, Safety. <laughs> economy. Economy, yeah. There are no prospects and it pays peanuts. I have to warn you that failure to attend will see your benefits suspended. Grandolf left the centre feeling utterly crushed and suicidal. He never went for the actual job interview, and sure enough, some letter arrived a few days later stopping his benefits. Oh, yes, hologram Bob, this is the place all right, says Grandolf, feeling himself tearing up at the memory. Bob says, then these must be the filing cabinets in question. Bob's clever like that. Yes, they must be, says Grandolf. They count off the cabinets, starting with the one nearest the door, and when they reach three, Grandolf gestures towards it with his eyes as if to say this must be the one. Ah, that's more like it. We're back in the story again. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but are they now counting the cabinets, right? They are, yeah, because that's quite a skilled job. Yeah, but how hard is it to count to three? It's like one, two, three. Ah, it's that one. Yeah, why didn't he say something? Why did he gesture with his eyes? Maybe he thinks there's something lurking inside it. Oh, you never know. He opens it and Barbage jumps out. Or Febreze, even. <laughs> well, she's dead, isn't she? Well. Bending down, he grabs the handle of the bottom drawer and tugs. The drawer squeaks and begins to open, but then it jams. It's come off its runners. Bollocks, ejaculates Grandolf. Um, where is he getting these swear words from? I don't know, it's like when you hear your dad swearing, isn't it? It just comes in out of the blue, you're not expecting it, really. It sounds like he's lived in the streets for a while, doesn't it? It does, and it's a very sort of English or British way of swearing, bollocks. Bollocks is a very British kind of expression, I think. Yeah, and he doesn't just say it, doesn't he? Yeah, he sort of ejaculates it. It just spits it out. <laughs> Problem? Asks Bob. Yeah, these bloody filing cabinets are useless, says Grandolf. This always happens with them. Fortunately, Grandolf knows what to do. 
he slams the drawer closed as hard as he can, and then with all the strength he can muster, he pulls the handle again. There is a sound of shearing metal, and with another ear-piercing screech of protest, the drawer opens fully. It must be the right one too. The one the app spoke about. Because instead of there being a load of suspended files hanging inside, there's a jade green mist, swirling around the bottom of the drawer. It looks mysterious. Somehow otherworldly. He's bang on about those filing cabinets. They always do that, don't they? Actually, mine doesn't. I've got one that just opens oh. on its own. It just doesn't stick. I can't shut it. You haven't got a grand half par. You don't go open filing cabinet and it opens. Yeah. <laughs> Out come the files. Yeah. Like saying dancing under the, out in midair under the desk. But Jane Green Mist, I'm mm. not sure about it. I'd be happy about that at all. Would you jump into that? I don't know. Sounds a bit, a bit scary. Who says they're going to jump into that? Well, actually... You've read ahead. Well, no, exactly. We'll cut that bit out. But green Mist, yeah, I'll tell you what. That could be somebody's left their egg sandwiches in there for a week. Could just be dust, mould, mould dust. Could be. What now? Says Bob. Not sure, says Grandolf. Looks kind of weird. It mightn't be safe. Say that mist is poisonous. That could be the end of us, says Grandolf too. Deep in thought, they say nothing for a moment. A voice from outside the office door breaks the silence when it asks, Who's there? Grandolf looks worried and says, Damn and blast. I bet that's the security guard. He probably heard the filing cabinet opening. The security guard is very sensitive, he is, isn't he? He would have heard a pin drop. Well, he would have, but equally, you know, slamming a filing cabinet closed isn't exactly uh, tiptoeing. I'm surprised they didn't get a brass band and start playing something in there. Do you think there's no <laughs> think there's no CCTV? Might be CCTV in there. So, you know, they're not so far. This is the first bit of a question they've done. This is a kind of a three out of ten, really, for a performance and ability, isn't it? Uh, what do you mean? Well, you know, stealth. They're not very stealthy. They're sort of going in there like a bull in a china shop. Yeah, but they're a bit hopeless anyway, aren't they? Oh, who knows? I mean, one of cool. them's drunk, isn't he? <laughs> One's drunk and the other's got the future of mankind in his hands. God, God help us. <laughs> Grandolf puts his finger to his lips. Shush, he mouths. Whoever is on the other side of the door says, What's going on? Come on, I can hear you. Stand back, I'm coming in. They hear the door handle rattle but luckily, it's locked. A set of keys jingles outside. The guard is about to come in. He'll find them and call the cops. The cops will tie this into the incident at the All Evil Arms. By now they, the cops, will have found real Fabrice's body. Cops aren't stupid. Bob and Grandolf look at one another in blind panic. Grandolf nods towards the filing cabinet. It's now or never. The future of all creation hangs in the balance. Grandolf mimes them jumping into the cabinet feet first. Bob nods. The office door swings open, and torchlight shines into the room. Oi, what's going on here? demands the security guard. Grandolf and Bob don't answer. Both leap into the bottom drawer and disappear into the green mist. I knew you read ahead. 
Yeah, I did. I still just a little bit. Just had to check. Tell you what. cheating. I'm telling you what again. I keep telling you what. I wish I'd stop telling you what. <laughs> tell me what. I'll tell you what, anyway. <laughs> what? Strikes me as this is, a, you know, far be it for me to cast aspersions at the AI, but I reckon he somehow stumbled into a file of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Because this is like at the end, where they jump over the uh, over the edge of the cliff, isn't it? A leap of faith. <laughs> Oi! Have you got a fly? Have you got a fly swatter? That's the air drying the toilets. <laughs> sounds like the sounds like the person shredder. <laughs> Can imagine another one? If, if that was an air dryer, the person yeah, would come out yeah. looking really sort of dishevelled. <laughs> It sounds like it could be barbage. Could be barbage. It's shifted into that shape. It's just devouring people. Anyone wondering what's going on? And this, um, somebody, yeah. yes, there we go. Ah, uh, yes, there's been a bit of bit of work going on at the uh, cafe here. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so I'm just thinking. Butch yeah, Cassidy it's Butch Cassidy. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's a leap of faith. Mm. Do you think they're going to jump and then get shot? I don't, I don't know. You never know. You have to work it out for yourself, don't you? Because the Butch and Sundance got shot when they got out, didn't they? But maybe the security um, guard shoots them in the back. Oh, yeah. Of course, no. I was thinking that was the final bit of the film, but of course it's not, is it? It doesn't end with them jumping over the end of the lake, does it? Or the river or whatever it is. is yeah, which bit scene? are you talking about, then? You're well, not talking about the final scene, are you? It's the final scene where they sort of hold out and then they sort of take a leap together. One of them says he can't swim. It's not the no, fall. I thought, I thought they're going out of the door, out of a door. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, I can't remember what the final scene is, but I'm thinking about no, the scene. They're, they're stuck in a in a church or something, aren't they? And then they open the door and they go out together. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because Jackie Chan um, copied that kind of thing for Shanghai yeah. Noon, didn't he? Just a hail of bullets, isn't there? Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure they're coming out of a door. But what scene is it when they're sort of being pursued by a posse or something, and they're sort of down, hunkered down below a cliff, and one of them says to the other, "Got to jump." You know, he goes, "I'm not going to jump." The other guy goes, "Why not?" He goes, "Well, because I can't swim." He said, don't worry about that, the fall will kill you. I don't know. That's Butch Cassidy. Isn't that the isn't Italian job? <laughs> <laughs> Probably Bonnie and Clyde or something. Google it. Loser buys cake. Oh, all right then. Hang on. Hmm. I knew mm. it. I knew it. Yes, Looks, yes, uh, yes. Well, it could, you know, you could take a view that I'm wrong. <laughs> You could take a view that you I'm wrong. buy cake. <laughs> In as much as you're completely right, but, you know. <laughs> Your turn to buy. All right. Mm, it's always my turn to buy. The drawer slams shut. They're gone. The security guard says, fuck my old boots. He scratches his head for a moment and sighs. Time to go back to reception to make himself a coffee. He needs one, and maybe a few chocolate hobnobs too. Nothing like this has ever happened during his ten years in the job. I have to say, I quite like the reaction of that security uh, guard. He yeah, just uh, walks off and has a chocolate hobnob. Do you think he's going to report that to his boss the next day? He's going to have a snooze now till six o'clock when he's uh, his shift's over. Yeah, I suppose, um, you know, all sorts of weird things happen at the job centre anyway, so it's nothing that unusual. No, that's uh, de rigueur, I would have thought, that. Anyway, so we have another um, episode. So I, do, I wonder where they've jumped to. Yeah, well... Because they've gone into the filing cabinet now, haven't they? I wonder where they fly and end up. 
Time will tell. Got to be some kind of a portal or a teleportation device or something like that, hasn't it? Well, it's green and mist at the moment, so yeah, it yeah. has to be, isn't it? Very gripping, though. We're finally getting a bit of fantasy, but of uh, yeah. sorry, but of questing. We still haven't had a dragon yet, other than a dragon map. And the little ones. Don't forget the little dragons. Oh yeah, we did. We didn't we? Yes. But they were yes. very small dragons. There's dragons. The microscopic ones of... that you can't actually see. No. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you put them on. Uh, what is it called? What do you call those things that you put under a microscope? Slides. Put them on slides, and then you're going to yeah. have a look at them. I suppose yeah. we go. Oh, you need to buy cake. Oh yeah, yes. I'll leave uh, you with the bill. Yeah, pay my forfeit. Yeah. I suppose you and, want oh, double. Oh, the wasps are back. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just as well we're going now, isn't yes. it? Yes. Okay, well, let's. We're going to have to get get away from the killer wasps then. Before they go. Oh, talking of killer wasps, actually, mm. before you go, I heard something funny. Mm. Um, apparently, that's bees, though. Apparently, a swarm of about twenty thousand bees yeah. followed the car for two days because the <laughs> queen was trapped inside the car. What, the queen, Her Majesty, the queen. With <laughs> the queen bee. Well, the queen bee. Okay, yeah. Well, that's the queen stuff. in the car waving. Hello. That's devotion for you, isn't it? Yeah, so they followed that car for about two days. Yeah, until they got rid of the queen bee inside, and then they disappeared. Amazing. So there you go. That's that's nature for you, though. And nature is calling, so I think we've got to go for this week. Do what the bees does, buzz. Buzz, buzz, let's go. Buzz off, okay then. Buzz off. See you next week. Bye.